Morning everyone. Now, if you're feeling a bit discouraged today, and it's easy to feel that way in these uh, strange times that we're living through, then you've hopefully come to the right place because this morning I want us to be encouraged and I want us to look at encouragement. We're continuing with our occasional series about men of the Bible where we look at some of those ancient characters and their lives and see what lessons we can learn from them. So what's in a name? What's in a name? You know, names have meaning and some names, when you just say them, conjure up images of that person and what they could be like. So if I say Maximus, what does that bring to mind? Well, for me, it's that character played by Russell Crowe in Gladiator, a rough, tough leader. But if I say prudence, then it brings to my mind a sort of prim and proper uh, schoolmistress from the 19th century. The name itself is actually a late Latin name derived from prudence, which means wise or prudent or skilled. And then there's my name, Terence. It's taken me nearly 65 years, but I'm growing to like it. Not a name that I've used. I always use the shorter version, Terry or even Tell. But Terence apparently derives from a Roman family name, Terentius, which is of unknown meaning. But famous bearers of that name included Publius Terentius Afer. And he was a Roman playwright. I'm sure you've heard of him. Then we have Marcus Terentius Varro, a Roman scholar. You must have heard of him too. But it's also a name that was used by several of the early saints. That's probably why my mum gave us that name. Because she always thought I was a saint. She always called me a golden boy. Ah, oh, God bless her. And then we get to um, biblical names. Names in the Bible. Peter, for example, the rock, which is derived from the Greek word petros, meaning stone. And this is a translation used in most versions of the New Testament of the name of Cephas, which in Aramaic means stone. And that was the name given to the apostle Simon by Jesus. Now, if I say to you, Samson, what does that conjure up in your mind? Well, you might think of a long-haired, muscular guy because he was gifted with great strength by God. And then there's Jezebel. And that comes from the Hebrew word Ezebel, which means, apparently, where is the prince? And that was a ritual question spoken in ceremonies honouring Baal or Baal. And another meaning of it is not exalted, and she certainly wasn't. In the Old Testament, you see, Jezebel was the evil wife of Ahab, the king of Israel. And after she was thrown from a window to her death, her body was eaten by dogs, fulfilling Elijah's prophecy. But then we come to the character that we're going to look at this morning, Barnabas. 
a name which means son of encouragement or encourager. His real name was Joseph, but it was changed to Barnabas because that described his character, his strongest personality trait. So Barnabas is who we're going to focus on today. Have you ever had someone encourage you at a time when you desperately needed it? And there's nothing as refreshing as an encouraging word or deed. It's like a fresh drink of water on a hot day. In fact, I believe that encouragement is the greatest need in our time. Most people you meet, in fact, I would suggest everybody you meet is carrying some kind of burden and they just need a word of encouragement. Thousands of people are struggling with disease and need a word of encouragement, a word of hope. Recent statistics indicate that 42% of all marriages end in divorce. So many married couples need a word of encouragement. Children are moving through the stage of huge uncertainty and they need a word of encouragement to build their self-esteem. Our youth, our young people are struggling with many issues as they adapt to life's changes. They need a word of encouragement. Many of our older folk are seeking hope and a word that their lives matter. They may have lost their physical strength. Some have lost their life partners and many are struggling with illness. They need a word of encouragement. Some 70 years ago in June 1940, Britain was at war with Nazi Germany. The British forces in France had been routed and the French divisions had been hammered too. It seemed that all was lost. The British army was shattered, exhausted, demotivated. And veterans of the Dunkirk rescue would rarely speak about their experiences, such was the horror. The Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, addressed Parliament. And his address was a masterclass in how to encourage a nation. Churchill used his speeches to try and lift the spirits of the public, even when having to detail horrific scenarios in the war. Now, I can't do an impression of Winston Churchill, and I won't try, but just listen to some of the words of that great leader. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward in broad, sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States and all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age made more sinister and perhaps more prolonged 
by the lights of a perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duty and so bear ourselves that if the British Commonwealth and Empire lasts for a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. Winston Churchill, 18th of June, 1940. The Allies went on to stand their ground. They re-equipped and they slogged it on for another five years until victory over the Nazi regime was secured. Now, I don't know about you, but I can imagine sitting back at home then and listening to that speech being broadcast and feeling proud to be British and capable of coming back from disaster. And that's what my parents' generation did. Through 50,000 civilian deaths during the Blitz, rationing, fear, and the loss of loved ones, that's what they did. And we can take encouragement from that today as we battle through the impact of a different enemy called COVID-19. Never underestimate the power of positive words and encouragement. Every person alive needs an encourager who sees the God-given potential in them and sees the potential of a relationship with God. So that brings me back to a man who epitomizes encouragement. We first meet Barnabas in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So Joseph was his given name, but the apostles gave him a new name, Barnabas. And the apostles gave him that name. Why? Because of his character. What was there about Joseph's character that would prompt the apostles to name him Barnabas? son of encouragement and i want you to see three character traits in joseph these are the traits that won him the name barnabas now remember barnabas ministered in tough times the early church faced extreme intimidation and martyrdom as they spread outwards delivering the gospel message and he was no superstar performer who gave inspirational sermons or wrote books that would end up in the Bible. He just believed in encouraging people and he wasn't precious about status or position. It was Barnabas who stood by Paul, a name which actually meant small or humble in Latin, Indeed, it was Barnabas who brought the newly converted Saul, now renamed Paul, into the fold, the Christian fold. In Acts chapter 9, we read this. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. 
and he stood aside to let Paul take the lead when the time was right for him to do so. Barnabas was a man with a generous spirit. In Acts chapter 4, we're told that Barnabas sold a parcel of land and donated the proceeds to meet the needs of the poor. In verse 36, it has Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He did this because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Barnabas wasn't like a certain Baptist preacher that I read about. I'll tell you the story. One day, he received a phone call from a woman wanting to arrange a funeral for her beloved dog. She said, I've called several churches and none of the churches will do a funeral for my dog. Every church I called, they just laughed at my request. The Baptist preacher said, Madam, I'm curious. Why would you want this done? And she said, well, I just love that dog and I want a proper funeral for him. The preacher said, well, that's nice, but we just don't do funerals for pets. She then said, oh, I, I really loved him. And I'd be willing to give £10,000 to any church who would hold the funeral. Oh, said the preacher, why didn't you tell me your dog was a Baptist? Of course we'll do it. Pause for laughter now. But yeah, um, people with a generous spirit have a way of lifting the spirits of others. There's a certain lady in our church who has this gift. She knows how important it is to visit people who are struggling and offer a prayer or a word of encouragement. And I know she regularly visits people with gifts of food for them, even though she financially has little to spare for herself. She has a generous spirit and encourages everyone. And generosity is not limited to financial giving. Generosity could be kind words. Generosity could be giving a helping hand. We can be generous with more than just our finances. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our words. Now, one member of a local church, and both shall remain nameless, by the way, was a very wealthy man who'd never been known for his generosity. The church was involved in a big financial program, maybe looking to buy a new building. And they the leaders decided that they would pay this man a visit. And when they met him, they said that in view of his considerable resources, they were sure he would like to make a substantial contribution to this program. I see, he said. So you have it all figured out, have you? In the course of your investigations, did you discover that I have a widowed mother who has no other means of support but me? No, they responded. They didn't know that. Did you know that I have a sister 
who was left by a drunken husband with five children and no means to provide for them. No, they said, we didn't know that either. Well, sir, did you also know that I have a brother who is crippled in a car accident and can never work another day to support his wife and family? Embarrassingly, the leader said, no, sir, we didn't know that either. Well, he thundered triumphantly, I've never given any of them a penny, so why should I give you any now? Pause for laughter again. Barnabas, unlike that man, was known for his generosity. Um, second, Barnabas was known as a man who could be trusted. Three times in the scriptures, we find Barnabas being called upon to do jobs that require the trust of others. In Acts chapter 11, we find that a new church had been established in the city of Antioch. And the mother church in Jerusalem needed a trustworthy worker to send to Antioch to encourage the new believers. Who did they call? Barnabas. In the same chapter, the church at Antioch collected an offering to give to the church in Jerusalem, which was going through some tough times. They needed someone to transport that offering. Who did they call? Barnabas. In Acts chapter 15, we read where a theological debate arose in the church and the church needed some trustworthy individuals to handle the situation. Who did they call? You got it. Barnabas. Barnabas was an encouragement because his fellow believers knew they could trust him. They could depend on him. He was reliable and trustworthy. And thirdly, Barnabas was a man who saw the good in other people and encouraged them. Two different times in scripture, we find him standing beside other people when they needed a friend. And sometimes we do, don't we? We just need a friend. The first time is at the conversion of the Apostle Paul, which I referred to earlier. Paul, as many of you know, was a bitter man before his conversion. He persecuted many believers because of their faith. And when he accepted Christ, there were many who were skeptical. They weren't sure that he really was converted. Was this just some kind of ploy to infiltrate the Christian community and destroy them from within? But as we read earlier, Barnabas stood up for him. Barnabas stood beside him when he needed a friend. Another time when Barnabas displayed this quality was with a young man called John Mark. Now, John Mark had started off well in his Christian life. He was growing. He was going on mission trips. He was supporting his spiritual leaders. And there was one occasion, which you can read about in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41, when John Mark stumbled. He'd been with Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey, but he turned back. Now, we don't know why he turned back. We don't know why that happened. He may have, be, he may have just been homesick. He may have got tired of the trials of travel. He might have experienced doubts. 
But later on, he changed his mind. And he wanted to go back. And he decided to make another missionary journey. But Paul didn't want to take him. Maybe there's a bit of unforgiveness there on Paul's part. But for whatever reason, he was apprehensive. But not Barnabas. He was willing to give Mark a second chance. And that disagreement with Paul caused the kind of short-term separation between these two friends, Paul and Barnabas. They'd been missionary companions. But you see, Barnabas didn't show favoritism. Barnabas saw the good in John Mark and he stood by him. If we follow the example of Barnabas, then our homes and our workplaces and our church will be different. We should choose to see the best, not the worst in people. And we should train ourselves to have a positive first response, not a negative one. We should make the decision to believe the best in every situation and want the best for every person that we meet. We should die to criticism. It's so easy to criticise. It's so easy to stand outside, look in and be critical. It's so easy to pull someone down and be negative. But that's the enemy of encouragement. And we should embrace the positive mindset. The possibilities for good then are endless. And remember, words can either bring life or destroy it. Words are powerful. Now this doesn't mean that we have to agree with everyone, but we should aim to leave people feeling more positive than they were before we started talking. Barnabas was a great encourager, but he learned it from the master encourager, who is Jesus Christ. When you study the life of Jesus, you see him encouraging people physically, emotionally and mentally. His encouragement yielded eternal results. People walked away from an encounter with Jesus being made whole. He saw the good in the woman who was an adulteress, John chapter 8. He saw the good in Zacchaeus, the little man that everyone loved to hate, Luke chapter 9. He saw the good in Matthew, the man that all Jewish people saw as a traitor because he collected taxes for the Romans. Jesus was the master encourager and Barnabas reflected that spirit. He was generous. He was dependable. He saw the good in other people. May we reflect those qualities in our daily walk with Christ. So this week, maybe we should ask ourselves these questions. Have you had your life impacted by encouragement? And how encouraging are you, am I, to others?
As it says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11, encourage one another and build each other up. Make sure the words coming out of your mouth are positive and build people up. That's not easy. Maybe like me, you've had a lifetime of it. Very easy to see the negative. Very easy to uh, be a discourager. But that's not the way of God. And that's not the way of Jesus Christ. Barnabas reflected the spirit of Jesus. And that's what we're all called to do. Let's try and reflect more the spirit, the spirit of Jesus and Barnabas. Take a look at the activities of Barnabas and see how many you can adopt into your lifestyle. So with that, I'll conclude this message. And I truly hope you have been encouraged so that you too can be an encouragement to others. Go with God. Put your trust in Jesus. Turn from your ways to his ways. And may his blessings abound in your life and those in your sphere of influence. God bless you.